as I've said before, this type of activity is a spiritual path and it doesn't necessarily generate any income. So it has to be supported by those people who see and participate and feel supported in their, their awareness, their spiritual path, their understanding about their life and the nature of reality. If you, if you feel helped, help, continue to help us. And also thank you to all of those who have been helping us for so many years. Choosing, 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 choosing keeps the delusion going. Choosing anything. Anytime you choose something, you perpetuate, you keep your misunderstanding about the nature of the world and the nature of your mind. Uh, you keep that uh, a secret. You, you hide out from something that is completely apparent to you. Completely apparent. It's visible to you. But by choosing, we, we hide out. We, we create a, an artificial situation that looks like we're, we have some control. We do not. It's not that, there, that something doesn't show up as controlled, but there's no one controlling it. If it does look intensely, that delusion is so intense that it, that it looks like this caused that, caused that, caused that, then we turn to things like politics or we turn to things like someone does something incorrectly or breaks the law, we block them up. We don't fundamentally help anyone who has a misunderstanding. We punish them. Not a good idea. Not appropriate. Not that we shouldn't protect ourselves from those who are perhaps even violently confused. So picking, that's sometimes used. I'm going to use just the word choosing. This does not mean that you won't do something that may appear like you're deciding this over that. But if you're doing that with some kind of intention to get control or get what you want, some kind of greed is being enacted or some kind of protection against something you're fearful of happens, then that just adds to the delusion. It continues to make that whole misunderstanding about the nature of your identity and what the identity of everything else is. Everything looks separate and we operate that way as if it's over there, it's something else and we need to protect ourselves or we need to dive in and modify that somehow so that it suits our purpose or so that it feels more comfortable or so that it's not as threatening choosing. So the idea here is to watch or look at the way in which you select or choose anything, whatever arises in your mind, observe the way you choose or observe the way you push something away or, 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 or go on and on. And that is done not with the willpower, not with your bullheadedness, but with the awareness. If you see the way you're doing that and you don't push it further away by trying to control it or go too deeply into what caused this, why this happened. If you go into why, you're going to get sucked down into a labyrinth of uh, becauses, because, 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 because. And some people in this world are very good at working with that, you know, 10, 10 seconds faster than you are at it, and they will appear to be what? Smarter. Because, 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 because they're working with, they can work with this and they will show you how, well, if you just look at this and look at that and, and the way this works and the way that works, this caused that, caused that, caused that. That creates the illusion of intelligence. And uh, of course it is a kind of intelligence. It's a, an intelligence that intends and sometimes maybe succeeds in getting relative control, mundane path, not spiritual path. The spiritual path is about Well, you're on the spiritual path. What's the spiritual path about to you? Losing. That's that's the path. Path is losing. What are you losing? Identity. Okay. How's that feel? Not good. Okay. That probably means that you're 
looking at that correctly from the point of view of the teachings, if there is a point of view. And there is. Not easy. It is not easy to, to step off from the mundane path of getting ahead, getting a good job, getting a good relationship, getting this, getting, 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 acquiring relative happiness. You can get a fair amount of that, perhaps. Maybe you can't get any of it. But the spiritual path is about seeing the complete truth in every direction, deep in your consciousness. And at the same time, we're looking for that, looking at that, endeavoring to work with that, endeavoring to not be tied up with choosing this and over that. At the same time, we are quite often swamped by the karma that came into this life with us. Came in as we came in, we brought all of this conventional word that's sometimes used in uh, psychology is baggage. We have this baggage mind. So we do it with the awareness. And it's very easy when you are doing this with the awareness, when you're seeing what is showing up and fading away, when you're watching what's coming and going and coming and going, as as I teach when we, when I talk about Shikantaza, the feeling, uh, the identity, the ego aspect of the mind, the narcissism, the seventh consciousness, according to the Yogacara tradition of the eight consciousnesses. The seventh is the paranoid part of the consciousness that is curled up into a, to a fist. And it's not about to open up even one finger alone to, to it's going to keep that. What is it? What is it keeping trapped? The illusion of me against everything else or for this, but not for that. Picking and choosing. I'll go along with that, but I'm not going along with this. If we try to figure that out, we get we get ensnared in the circularity. We don't see it. It looks it looks like a straight line, or it looks like it just makes sense relatively. This caused that, caused, and that happened. Then she stepped in and did this, and of course, that's why the whole thing blew up. If she would have minded her own business, we we have these little stories going around where anything that goes wrong. We have multiple stories overlaying the situation to validate, justify, and support our rage against some particular situation or our support for some situation or our disdain or who cares about that. That, that you should never ignore anything. If you're on the path, as I understand it, sit down, look at the wall, and watch how your own, own mind stream shows up when you sit down and hold still and observe, sit symmetrical and observe what is coming and going. You personally, each one of you personally have your own, we'll use that word again, baggage or karma or causes and conditions from past time. If you want to see, as has been said before I got here, you want to see how, where you came from, what your past karma was and look at your body. You want to see what your future karma is? We could call it a next life. Look at the mind. If the mind is untrained and and rattling at the at the bars of the of your preconceptions and your conflicting beliefs about the nature of who this is and where you're going and what this is all about. If you're enraged against or you're for this, then that just creates warfare. And then if you when you pass, when you die, then, of course, that's the next body that's going to come up is that one. How do I know that? Is that going to happen? I don't know. I won't believe anything I say. You might want to not ignore it, but you don't have to believe it. I'm not asking you to believe. I'm asking you to, you see it. You leave the teacher, leave the teaching and leave the sangha. Go to the wall. Look at the wall. Watch what arises in the mind stream. And when you get up, then go back to the teacher, the teaching, and the community, the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, for a support, some kind of reference point, so that you can continue on the path and you can eventually get back to the wall again, or you can look at your fundamental nature. Very tempting for the self-centered mind, the ego mind, when you're in pain or suffering or confused or having anxiety, whatever may be showing up, very difficult to, to not refuse that 
and not accept that and not ignore that. Very difficult to do that and very difficult not to reach to some kind of relative support or solution or structure. And it's not that you couldn't. Not to, if you read uh, Tisha's Seven Points of Mind Training, there's 59 slogans there. There's some absolute ones. Uh, ultimate bodhicitta and some quite a few relative ones where you, if this happens, then you can do this. Or if this happens, and then the other ones are remain a child of illusion. Pretty strong statement. How do you do that? Much louder. Uh, it's not too uncommon to hear spiritual teachings, um, even Buddhist teachings that instruct us to cut off or distinguish harmful, negative emotions yes. as they arise. That's not your teaching. No. How come? I don't like it. Too, too much. What happens if you start doing the cutting, and I'm not saying there can't be some cutting. The, the sword of Manjushri is double-edged sword. It cuts through this self and it cuts through other at the same time. It's just the way it's, that teaching is used. I'm not saying that can't come about. It needs to come about through awareness, not through ego joining in and being holding onto the sword and cutting this and cutting that uh, out of the illusion of still believing in a separate situation that's going on, believing in cause and effect, believing in correct and incorrect, thinking there's such a thing as right and wrong, thinking there is such a thing as a difference between nirvana and samsara or Buddhas, enlightened beings and confused, deluded beings. They are not separate. They are separated, just like the hands are separate, but they're, they're fundamentally not separate. More. Ian Bowling, when we, when we carry this idea of cutting things away because they're negative, I guess it often seems attached to the idea that it's wrong. Is that where the misunderstanding is? You know, somewhat, but even, even my, my, uh, my root teacher, my root guru, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, the title of his book that we've been studying for, well, I've been studying for 45 years or more, is cutting through spiritual materialism. So the cutting is, is talked about there is, is going into uh, the, the, whatever is happening and cutting into it. So it's not that you're cutting it from an aggressive point of view, but you're cutting into it in that you're, you're looking at it in, in the sense you are, you are, looking deeply into that. So that may involve a kind of cutting, uh, like the diamond cutter or the, the diamond sutra. It's a kind of cutting, but it's not just like the, the sword, uh, the sword of prajna is, is symbolic of it. It doesn't actually, it's not going to actually cut something, but it needs to be held up by Manjushri. So we can see it. So we can see that. But when the actual cutting happens, it transcends time and space. But that's not, you're not going to have that sword in your hand unless you work with your mind in a fundamental way. Otherwise, you'll, you'll go to war. Don't go to war. Don't go to peace. Don't go to peace is a stronger teaching than you don't go to war. Take no position. If you take positions, excuse me, if you take positions, you get an enemy. There's all kinds of confused situations in the world that are just looking for an enemy. You set up a standard, you're going to have enemies. This doesn't mean you shouldn't look intensely at the warfare. Trungpa Rinpoche even uses the, 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 the whole idea of warriorship, which I looked at for decades, having been trained in the Marine Corps to kill people. That's a powerful training killing people, training people. This is how you kill somebody with a bayonet, with a rifle, with a 45 or whatever. Esprit de corps, a spirit of a unit, band the brothers. This is how they do this. And it's, it's not that it's wrong. My father was killed at 26 years old in Andernach, Germany in 1945, March 16th. A lot of People's fathers were killed. A lot of people were killed who were fathers and sons, daughters these days. So that's how society is working. I don't particularly want to use that image of warrior. I've yet to come up with something completely workable. The closest I can come is 
rather than a warrior, is a protector, someone who protects, someone who protects the Dharma, protects human beings. Let's try to do that. But first we have to see what human beings are, not just protect some kind of idea about something much different than nationalism or even patriot, patriotism. It's a spiritual path that sees deeply into the ultimate truth. At the same time, the only thing you can see is relative. So, train your mind. We have to do it with the awareness, not with a, a bunch of ideas that about we need to do it this way or that way, or we have certain things that, uh, like my teacher, uh, Koban Juno Roshi, uh, told to me when I said, I want to take the precepts with you. He said, you don't take precepts, you observe them. That's the only direct teaching in words that I got from him. From then on, he stopped talking to me, basically. And he never said he would give me precepts. So was that a teaching? Uh, yes, it was. Powerful teaching. It's sad to not realize that was a teaching until many years afterwards. But it was a teaching. Any questions? Another one. Please, keep going. We were talking about a dream within a dream today. Yes. And I've been thinking about the, the dream occurring on the cushion. Yes. What is the dream on the cushion compared to the dream, the dream when I'm not? Uh, so I'm not sure what you want to know. There's the daydreaming on the cushion about whatever. And the way I talk about that is just receive that. As long as you're holding still or endeavoring to hold still, sitting in a symmetrical posture, and all your senses are open, or at least you start with them open, the eyes tend to close and we nod off, which is not, does not need to be corrected. Not off. What, whatever you do, whatever happens when you sit symmetrical is what is supposed to happen. How do I know? It's obvious. If you're not choosing. More? Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. Further questions? Please don't hesitate. We have a question. We have 43 screens open. Some of those are here, but that's a fair number of people. Oh. Sharon Bowling? Yes, go ahead. Um, I'm visiting Australia right now, and I am noticing or observing, having an awareness of less sense of self. Is this perhaps due to having many less or much less you know, reference points in my environment? Yeah, somewhat, but a lot of new reference points that are, are strange or different. Whereabouts are you? You're in Australia, did you say? Melbourne. Melbourne. So, so there's so many different ways of looking at that. I mean, just I can name just one. Uh, in, in astrology, there's someone, something called local space and astral cartography that if you go to a different location, the way the, the planets and the way the circularity of everything, the very pattern of circularity, so everything, I'm just, I'm not even bringing that up to want to talk about it or promote it. I'm going to promote anything except get to the wall. I promote that. Most important thing you can do is train your mind, not figure out how things work. You can spend your whole life studying astrology and still not really know how to figure anything out. You astrologers know that. It's, astrology is the way I like to talk about it. It's an illusion of standing on a railroad track, and it looks like the tracks come together. They never do. And just like in astrology, no matter how much you study, you never can figure it out. And it only helps you to see the circularity. Quite interesting, though. Very interesting. But what you're asking about, I would say, just with your awareness, just do it with your awareness. Sit a lot while you're there. 
And yes, things, things, uh, you've been sitting a lot before you even went there. So just spend time sitting down, hold still, watch the movement of the mind and, and, and don't accept what arises. Don't calculate what arises in that way. Don't reject it. Don't ignore it. And you'll notice how you probably can't succeed in any of those. But, but by doing that, you, you actually are being more and more aware. There's just no credential with it. So uh, my teacher, Trungpa Rinpoche, called that Buddha Dharma, awakened truth, Buddha, awakened Dharma, truth, without credentials, or without any proof. Buddha Dharma without credentials. You actually see it and you have no proof. And it's astonishing. And if you, if you see it, you both know it and not know it at the same time. It's called non-duality, advaita, not two. The not two-ness is, that's serious. There are not two things anywhere. If you think there are, then you'll continue to what? Choose. And so what's being recommended here is stop choosing. And notice that you can't help that. That you will continue to choose. But the attitude of saying to yourself or reminding yourself uh, not to choose, that tension in the consciousness starts to show up as awareness, awareness without a particular object. Very difficult to explain that. I'm not even explaining it well. I'm not, I can't explain what I'm looking at. <laughs> Perhaps you can. Go ahead. Uh, Pashan Bowing, are you uh, inferring uh, in what you're saying that if we receive more, we will naturally choose less or there'll be less apparent choice? Power? Yeah, there's only so much energy. So yes, just receive, receive, receive this astonishing world that is completely magic, ordinary magic. It's, it's magic because it's impossible to understand what this is. It's an incredible mystery. When you begin to see that you are nobody, that even this body-mind is just a very temporary manifestation. It's just a blip on the map, if there is a map. Just a blip of me, 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 me. There you go. Another one. Me, 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 me. 75, 80, 90 years old. But who you are doesn't disappear because it has not appeared. The body appears and drops away. The world appears, all the various worlds, the various countries, the various political stances, the good and the evil, the up, down, back and forth, all of it, all of it. Sacred. Sacred meaning completely, ultimately valuable, not in a merchandising well. This is more valuable than that. Buddhism is more valuable than Taoism, or Taoism is more valuable than um, Christianity or any other spiritual path. Any spiritual path, probably, or including indigenous peoples and all, all the different kinds of ways of looking at reality, have, have truth in them, of course. Let me have another question if you have it. Go ahead. Go. What is it to see dependent origination? In other words, when we're seeing ourselves choose or not choose, mm -hmm. what can we learn about dependent origination? So if you, if you see it, and if you're not choosing, if you're working with that, and you might still see that you're choosing and not choosing, but since you're not, uh, you're not following any of that, you're not grasping, you're not giving yourself a credential for anything, then you begin to see the ultimate, you actually see the ultimacy of relative truth. So you start seeing less and less because everything is, uh, nothing is separate from anything else. It's separated all to hell. Maybe not a, a good metaphor, but it's, it's very separated, but it's, it's true nature is completely perfect. And it's, it's complete stillness and silence. I'm not being speaking in some kind of magical mystery tour here. It's, it's just that there's all the, all the activity, all the things that are coming and going there teasing us, trying to get us to do that or do that or don't do that. So I've got to stop this. I have to get more of that, less of that. We all know that we all have our patterning going on in our life about our personality and who we are, the personhood that is just um, quite, a, quite a kind of a personal terrorist. 
inside our own mind stream, trying to lock us up, throw us away, and push us this way, push us that way. Do you see what this is? Everything stops. But it stops in such a way that it looks like it was never moving. You've always known that. So another way of saying it is nothing occurs. There is no occurrence. <laughs> More? It sounds like you're saying like dependent origination disappears into consciousness. My dependent origination is a way of talking about the whole uh, structure of all the pieces and parts and time and space and those things are all dependently risen. They're, they're all, as long as we're looking at stuff, then it's going to be everything we see is going to be dependent on everything else or its apparent individuality. But it's not real. It's not, it's a, it is an illusion. Can you something? Does the quality of being someone who's not choosing wear out? So the being, uh, being the quality of being someone who's not choosing, like not choosing anything. And does that wear out? No. What do you really want to know? Does it still look like there's an identity that's yes. not choosing? <clears throat> yes. The illusion will persist. And, and, but it doesn't matter. You don't care because you're, you are, you actually see what this is. So you're no longer uh, confused. The, t the two ways I talk about this, if you don't know what this is, you believe your thoughts and you're chasing after whatever piles of garbage or rainbows, uh, this is called delusion. You, you think there's a world that you can somehow squeeze some happiness out of or get, get some something, win and get ahead. That's delusion. But if you see what this is, it is illusion. You see that it everything is there, but it is unreal. So therefore... I'm whispering right here to kind of make a point. But I, for you people on Zoom, I'm going to say it really loud. You hear me? No. Naveed, did you hear me? Susan heard me. Nothing happens. We're not saying that this isn't happening or that isn't happening, but saying this is, in, this is part of the illusion. And you can see this in your mind stream. You may not see it facing a wall. You may see it as you're walking into the, the grocery store uh, three years from now or picking up a prescription or something, and then the whole thing cracks and comes apart. That may happen, may not. No guarantee of anything. Any Go ahead, Terry. So when you say nothing happens, how does that work with evolution? Like, it seems as though things are continuously evolving or transcending, whatever that may be. How is there nothing happening inside of that? So, okay, so the evolution or the way you describe anything that this caused this caused this, that's, that's the, the uh, illusion part that you were deluded about. We actually have... We think we are somebody going somewhere, somebody who can live or die, and all of the other commentary we have about everything. And, and it's certainly, it is a powerful illusion. And it's hooked to, what, all of our nerve endings? Uh, and the Buddha said, life is suffering. If you're, uh, if you're showing up as a living form, not going to be easy at all. It's not that you can't get some respite, but it still doesn't amount to much when you look at the big picture. You're uh, not going to last. Sickness, aging, and death. The three marks uh, of existence. Terry Bond. So is, when you're saying nothing happens, is that what, are you talking about whatever this is, is us, is nothing's happening, or is nothing happening, nothing happening, nothing happening? Do you understand what I'm asking? Terry Bond. No. No. Explain it. So, like, planets move, I mean, you know, then there's... Yes. I'm not... Let me go... Let me step into it. 
I'm not saying there isn't a movement. There, there isn't planets. There isn't uh, put down to the ground. It's like three feet away, depending on how tall you are, or five feet away. But you look up and you can't see the end of that. A very simple, uh, a very simple situation that is um, uh, an incredible polarity of this, which is completely here and solid, and that, which there's nothing. Or form and emptiness, that's another way of saying it. It's everywhere. Everywhere you look, you'll see that badgering you to see showing up. Form is there and emptiness. It's in the thought patterns. It's in the mind that when you sit down and watch the mind, you see thoughts come and go. You see that thoughts come and go. And eventually you begin to see or understand or grok or perceive the space in which things occur, the, the space in which the thoughts arise takes a while and you don't accept it, reject it, shut down on it, don't grasp it. Okay. Go ahead, Chisho. Bowing. on the one hand, you say that nothing happens, yet yeah. you use words like catastrophe, it cracks open, everything falls to the floor or you fall off a cliff. That sounds pretty different from nothing happens. Yeah, and the and this is why it's so difficult because those two things, nothing happening, space, and something happening, form, are not two. They are not two. It's all over the teachings. It's especially in uh, what we've been studying for years is Vasubandhu's 30 verses. It's in the, the Heart Sutra, the Diamond Sutra. Form, emptiness. It's a way of talking about it. Something happens, yet it doesn't happen. Please, let's go deeper. If you have more questions, take me down in there. You want to go there? I'll go with you. Pretty much go anywhere. I can say this much that may help with any question that is either surfaced during this uh, talk or... Uh, um, no question at all has surfaced. I can say that what this is uh, can't fundamentally be seen as it is. It has to be seen uh, as it is. So, but, so if you see it as it is, then you're seeing it as you perceive it. And if you see it as it is, then you won't see anything. Go ahead, Gilgado. Is, does this have anything to do with it just being too subtle to, to see? Well, there's subtlety there, of course. If, if it was something that you could see or accomplish or get, then we'd be right back on the circle of rel relative truth. It would not last. Anything you see or anything that shows up uh, is going away. If it shows up, it's relative. It won't last. So just like if an enlightenment shows up, an example, you suddenly have a perception of reality. You're not separate from anything. It won't last. You might have that perception. Sometimes in the Japanese tradition, that could be called kensho or some kind of insight into your true nature. But insight into your true nature is not your true nature. It's, it's insight into the nature of your true nature, which can be pretty fancy. It's extremely fancy if you do it on lysergic acid, that of mind 25. You want a powerful experience of no self? Take some of that. Don't do it. You don't need to take that. It's more about, that's more about entertainment. If you want to see what this is, slow down, hold still, and watch the continued movement of the mind. And that will eventually introduce you into your true nature. No guarantees. But at least that's a way that is uh, direct, and that's based on doing this for a long time. Sir. Shoto. <clears throat> Shoto bowing. When you say that you won't see anything, is there still seeing? Yes. Going? But it won't be anything. Don't let me get away with that. Come on. The flower disagrees with you. <laughs> it just fell over. Right between us. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. What? More? 
No more? Go ahead. What is um, the thing that we're seeing going? What are we seeing? What is thingness? It's an illusion. It's unreal. It's relatively real, sure. That's why it's so, that's why we believe it, because we run into things. We feel the texture of the floor. We feel cold weather. We feel warm weather. We taste uh, ravioli. You know, it's very convincing all the time. You're smiling behind your hands there. You have a, a really interesting question. You? Monsignor? Yes. Are we not seeing anything because it's not separate? Yes. It's a way of saying it. You can't, you don't see anything else. You say we can see, not separate. Can I say that? Can we Should realize? That? Can we realize not separate? You can. Can we see not separate? It's a kind of seeing, but it's not like it's sort of like the top of this table. It's not that kind of seeing. How is not seeing unknowing? How is it what? Unknowing or not knowing or beyond our. What do you want to know? What do you, that's a good way to do it. What do you want to know? Let me respond to that, or I'll try to. What is it to see not separate? It's not particularly fancy. You just, everything you see is it. You don't see the otherness is gone. And this is a classical teaching. It's empty of other. <laughs> and yet there's still form. And that's, there's still form. Yes. And the, the Sadhana Mahamudra says it in, in such a beautiful way because it's so, it's such a sharp cutting into the fundamental nature of the way we continue to cling to this and reject that, which is uh, vividly, vivid, vivid, vividly unreal. So it's vivid, but it's unreal. It's like a nightmare or a dream, vividly unreal in emptiness, yet there's still form. So everything you see is empty of, of anything you think about it, anything you project onto it, it's empty of that. But people will project onto others and kill them. People will project onto others and fall in love with them. People will project onto others and ignore them. Or have, uh, even have prejudice against them. Generate a bunch of thoughts that, about that that keeps them separate from them. Racism is a good example of it. It's you spend your whole life just being, spending all your energy and being against a certain group of people. And the next thing you know, you're old and you die, never having looked at your true nature at all, completely missed your life, or you missed the life that could have appeared. Not that the, the racism wasn't part of your karma, probably was. Dependently, wasn't. go ahead. Undivine, you say to, for us to look at the wall, look at the forms that are showing up. I do. How does looking at the forms showing up help us see? Our true nature. It may not on the wall, but by doing that, you're you're emphasizing uh, the space, the, the spaciousness around everything that's arising. Things are arising, and you're instead of emphasizing the content of it, we're going to war with it. You're just you're just watching what's happening. So it's like watching clouds in the sky, fish in a pond. You you know, very interesting, very you could say even seductive drawing you into it, taking your attention away from everything because you're magnetized by that cloud. 
Well, Devon, yesterday I think it was you said uh, do a lot of it. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, I can't remember exactly how you said it, but something about doing a lot of it. We we may like see have this instance of seeing. So it's almost like increasing our odds of seeing. You could say it that way. So if you're spending all of your time moving around and doing this, pushing on that, trying to get this, grasp this, shutting down, opening up, uh, activating your, trying to get your the greediness uh, of your mind to be fulfilled, then, you know, you'll, you'll accomplish that. You'll get some things in this life and then you'll die. But if you're endeavoring to see who you are and what this is, the fundamental nature of what your life is, then the you could say the odds, somewhat, maybe, if it was helpful, you could say that. But eventually you would see, not maybe not facing a wall, but because you've been doing that and watching and watching and watching without grasping, without choosing particularly, maybe feeling, maybe a desire to choose something, but you just don't. You're, you're, you're starting to really respect your own confusion. Until you respect your own confusion, not, you know, as long as you're covering that up with pride or with shame or with any conclusion about anything, failure, cover it up with any thought patterns. And if you don't see the confusion, then the confusion will continue to run your life because you'll think there's somebody who can get somebody, somebody who can be wrong, me, somebody who can be right, me. We'll have these uh, struggles in our own mind, conflicting emotions about the nature of what's going on. Part of me wants this, part of me wants uh, somewhat like this, but I'm not concerned because of this over here. I'm not so good because this, yeah, we just can have this back and forth in our mind about everything. We noticed? Mm -hmm. You do that. Yes, just receive it. It's, it's a pain in the ass, to put it literally, to just receive your thoughts, isn't it? Yeah, it is, but do it anyway. You can do it. You know, look at this incredibly luxurious situation we have. We all don't have anything to do tonight, or at least if we do, we push that aside so that we can, so that we're, we're, we can work on this situation. Take a look at this. Listen to what this old monk has to say and interact in this situation about this fundamental understanding of our mind. What is the mind? What is this mind? And when we get up from the cushion, and we go into our everyday, what was commonly called post-meditation, we notice that the spaciousness that that was, you could say, engendered. It doesn't have to engender spaciousness. It's, it's fine, but it's by itself. But you're kind of prioritizing the openness by not grasping, rejecting. You're not materializing things that are showing up in your mind by pushing on them, materializing them by, or reinforcing their solidity by grasping, fighting. Instead, you're just observing them. So when you get up off the cushion, you might feel tired out. You might feel like you just wasted uh, an hour or 28 days. Uh, it doesn't matter. Do it anyway. It's not about a You won't feel like you accomplish anything. You won't. That that whole area is um, accomplishing something. It's not that there aren't some side effects of sitting down and looking at the wall for months on end, years. Some of those side effects are, they, they, they are not the goal, but you might stop arguing with yourself. You might stop arguing with everyone. You might start to actually appreciate and respect another person's suffering uh, that shows up as their confusion. You might be able to really listen to that person who's having such a hard time who three years ago, you might've uh, um, swore at them or saying, I'm not going to listen to this crap anymore and laugh. But this later you, you don't do that. You say, Bill or Joyce or whatever their name is, say, it looks like you're having a hell of a hard time with that. Is there anything I can do to help you? And they might snap back and say, what do you mean? You can't help me. You're part of the problem. You're just as insane as this person or that person. You're just like my wife. <laughs> I mean, they might say that. And what should you do? Say, perhaps give people the benefit of the doubt. Give people who are crazy this is a beginning of compassion. It is not compassion itself. Compassion itself is there's no compassionator anywhere. It never was. Compassion belongs to no one. 
but you can start out in that area by that will begin to start out. You'll, you'll even notice kind of as a side effect that you uh, don't really have to be the, the, the star or you don't have to be the head of the party or something. You can be, you can watch what's going on and watch and see how much people in the midst of their enjoyment are suffering deeply in the midst of their, of their so-called uh, facade that there's deep suffering going on. You actually start to see the, the big picture of everyone else when you start to look at the big picture of who you are. I mean, you really see who you are. You see the pride and you know you can't get rid of it. You can't get rid of that. You don't have to get rid of anything. Trying to get rid of things, that's where right back to materialism, which Shankar Rinpoche is saying, cutting through spiritual materialism. The cutting through is the intellect that sees it. It's not an actual sword. Uh, an actual weapon. Uh, Trungpa Rinpoche says somewhere where um, um, basic goodness or sacred world, I don't know what, what he was talking about, but that that's the sword of the of the uh, bodhisattva, or he uses warriorship, the, the sword of the warrior never really comes out of its sheath. It's just there. It's just that. You know where it says that at? Heart of warriorship or something like Sacred world, probably. I don't know. He had a lot to say. And I've forgotten most of what I read. So, but anyway, there was that, that, so, so I understand what he was doing there with that. Had I been able to talk to him, I, I might have, um, convinced him to not use the word warrior, warriorship, having been trained as one in the Western sense, of course. Jason Bowling. Jason, go for it. Um, clarification. Are you saying that our choices or what we perceive as choices do not have an effect on what's happening? Um, well, they have they have relative effects. So if you push on this, if I there's a, a clock right here, if I push on it, it'll fall over. So the relative cause and effect is so very convincing that we try to actually change, modify our life by arguing, pushing, um, all kinds of discursive things going on. The only way, and I'm biased here, I'm extremely, um, what do you call that? Opinionated. Yeah, I'm opinionated. I think that if you want to see the truth, you have to look at the lies. And the lies are right in your mind stream, that you're somebody, that you're going somewhere, it's a it's a pain to do that. And what is it? Why is it a pain? Because first noble truth of the Buddha's life is suffering. He didn't say part time and he was not a nihilist. You've heard me say this 50 times anyway. But he's just saying the truth and nerve endings are everywhere in all of the six sense fields and, and in, in areas of consciousness that are not even no, are not even brought up because they are beyond the biology of the situation. You're, you can't go anywhere. Your body might die tomorrow, but you're, you're, you're not going anywhere. Can't. There is no locale to go to. There is no, uh, there's no time. There's no past and future. Those are illusions. Really powerful ones. Uh, and as long as there's a belief that you are a body, you are this person with eyes, nose, ears, tongue, body, mind. If you believe you are that, then it's, it's very limiting to you. Um, so if it's no past or uh, future and nothing happens, is it also true that it's already happened? Yes. So is that the same thing as like predeterminism or that it's already that it's happened therefore we really didn't have a choice in the first place you know you could speculate like like that but i don't think it's uh i don't think it's uh, going to be pretty uh, uh very um supportive to your uh a path of awareness it's it's more about going back into the the concepts and trying to lock down on something there's already enough locking down find out find out find out yourself 
as Coben said when he described or translated the Heart Sutra uh, mantra, falling apart, falling apart, falling apart. Your whole idea of the world is just collapsing. The idea of who you are and what everything else is comes apart, falling apart, falling apart. Yeah. Then he says, everything all at once. No past, no future. And then he says, nothing to do, which is another commentary on there's no self. There's no one to do anything. This doesn't mean he won't fix breakfast for 20 people tomorrow. doesn't mean that you won't do a lot of things, but their personhood is gone. This is possible. It's possible. So let's end right there and go back to sitting. Did you have a question? I'll take your question. Go ahead, one question, go ahead. You say that when you give an instruction like don't choose, it creates tension and that brings awareness. Yes. Does any kind of tension bring awareness? Any kind of what? Tension. Yes. If you don't do any, if the tension is there and you just look at the tension, don't fix, don't correct, don't back away. This doesn't mean that some people might not need to take anxiety medication. I'm I'm not doing away with science. I'm saying, do it out of your awareness. You can say to yourself, do I really need this? The doctor is going to tell you that you do. The pharmaceutical companies are going to tell you that you need it. But you could look at it and say, uh, maybe I don't need this. Maybe I don't need Prozac or uh, Wellbutrin or one of the other ones. Or maybe I do. I have students that use that take those uh, because of what they're dealing with. I'm not against that. If they need to use that, then that's fine. I'm not going to fix somebody, correct somebody, or move somebody around based on my guesswork about them, about what they're going through. Okay, let's go back to uh, sitting. Hopefully you'll join us for the, I have an interview to go to right now, so I won't be in here, but if the interview goes very fast, which I don't know who will or not, I will come back in before the end of sitting at at eight o'clock. We're doing this new schedule. So hopefully this gives more people more time to actually practice sitting meditation. I like to do it as a community. There's 41 windows open here. That means there's in the high 30s of people here. We try to spend a little bit of time with this. If you can make it to the 8 o'clock, please do that. And that will, that will help us support of what? The three jewels, the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, the teacher, the teaching in the community. The last one is so very important. Can't emphasize it enough. That's why I with the help of others, created a monastery rather than just had a, uh, a meditation center where people kind of come and go. We need to have people who are completely dedicated to the spiritual path as the, as the, as the heartbeat of this community. Have to have people that are practicing a lot. I'm talking about more than an hour a day. So they're doing it and you can join for a little while and we can do this as a Sangha, as a community. So. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Senshu, one of Sokuzan's monks. Sokuzan offers his wisdom tirelessly with complete love and devotion. If you value these teachings, Sokuzan, the mandala of Sokukoji, please consider donating at sokukoji.org. Thank you.